Welcome to the After 30 Podcast. I'm your co-host, Anise, and today's episode is going to be a little different because Tabs is not here for this one. I know, I'm really going to miss her perspective. So today we're going to talk about sex in the pandemic. It's commonly joked about that couples are either having a lot more sex right now with all the closeness and the extra time, and hey, what else are we going to do? Heard of the term COVID babies? (laughs) Or couples are sick of each other or exhausted or stressed out or all, and sex has become a unicorn, that thing that's beautiful and doesn't exist. (laughs) We're so honored to have with us today an absolute legend, proper expert on the subject, Jessica O'Reilly, also known as Dr. Jess. As a sexologist, relationship expert, author, and television personality, Dr. Jess has a PhD in human sexuality and her doctoral research focused on sexual health and relationship education. She has a practical and no-nonsense approach to happily ever after and is passionate about empowering people to embrace happy, healthy relationships. Let's chat. Welcome to the podcast, Jess. How are you? Hey, hey, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. (laughs) It's so, so good. We're so excited about this conversation. Um, There are so many ways in which we can be intimate with each other and with ourselves. So we're really excited to hear your take, your expertise on just how you think people are coping and some tips on maybe how we can cope. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, the most important piece here is that we take the pressure off of ourselves. I think when this first went down back in March, we had, uh, you know, we, we didn't have any clue what was going to happen. And so we made these assumptions about all the things we were going to do, how we were going to bake the bread and learn to sew and learn to juggle and get really ripped because we'll be working out all the time and <laughs> have all the sex. And and in reality, uh, back in March, I think there was just such a great degree of uncertainty and fear, you know, fear that we perhaps didn't directly acknowledge that we felt emotionally exhausted because you're in this state of hypervigilance every single day waiting for updates. And some people are still feeling that. I think, um, you know, certainly our, our focus has shifted as we transitioned into uh, a period where we, we realize this is going to last a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really want to take the pressure off having all the sex, having the best relationship. For many people, this is really a time to survive as opposed to a time to thrive. And of course, yeah, we're hearing all these stories about either COVID babies or COVID divorces or COVID engagements. And there is some <laughs> some research suggesting that in some ways relationships have been bolstered and fast-tracked. So they tall- call them turbo relationships where people oh. have moved in together. Yeah, because they were alone and they were kind of on the cusp of perhaps discussing moving in together or perhaps that was never even on their radar. But with the circumstances, they just decided that it made sense to hang out together, live in the same home. And many people are reporting that they've learned a lot about themselves, about their partners, and they've learned that the relationship can not only stand the test of time, but also survive and grow through difficult times. So we've, we've seen so many different shifts. Now, at the same time, we've seen people stay at home with their partner and say, you know what, I just can't take this anymore. This is right. not for me. Uh, you can't run and hide when you're forced mm. to stay home and be with yourself and be with Absolutely. your partner. Uh, so we, we're seeing basically 
it runs the gamut. And what I would like to see is people not feeling pressure to be or do or produce anything specific other than what works for you. I think that's amazing that you're talking about that because I also thought about the first thing that you talked about, which was, you know, you're you're fraught, you're you're afraid and your nervous system gets charged up with that. And so when we take the pressure off, we actually have moments where we can release into sort of just being and allowing ourselves to do what it what is right for us, you know? I really that's appreciate that. Right. Yeah, I'm with you um, on that. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're experiencing so many different types of emotions, as you said. What are your thoughts on how we experience intimacy? Well, one thing I see is that we don't give ourselves or our partners permission to just feel what we're feeling. We feel this pressure, seems to be a Western pressure, to analyze, to understand, to think about our feelings, and we don't always make space to just feel them. You know, sometimes we just need to let it out. Sometimes we need to laugh about something ridiculous. We need to cry about something that's hurting. We need to sit there and do nothing some days because we're just so worn out. And other days we get an adrenaline rush and, you know, take the bull by the horn. So I think what I'm seeing is a lack of permission to feel what we feel because you you just aren't in control of your feelings. Yes, of course, the way you think and the way you behave can affect your feelings. It can shape it in some ways, but you do not exercise control over your feelings. And when you try and run from a feeling or deny a feeling or cover up a feeling with a different feeling or turn to what we call a secondary emotion as opposed to feeling the primary emotion. And what that means is, well, I'm feeling anxious and okay, that's what I'm feeling. But rather than giving myself permission to feel that in my body, uh, to even like, you know, let it process in my mind if that's what I want to do. But rather than feeling that primary emotion, I turn to a secondary emotion, which is uh, guilt or shame about feeling anxious. So I'm feeling something about my feeling. <laughs> and that can just add mm -hmm. to the layer of, of stress. So in terms of relationships, if we're not giving ourselves permission to experience the range of emotions that are natural and human and expected uh, or even unexpected, we're probably not making space for our partners to do the same. And, and what we find in, you know, happy relationships is that sometimes we have difficulty differentiating emotionally, meaning if my partner is feeling stressed, I take it on and I become stressed. Or if my partner is feeling stressed, I have a specific response, which is, for example, oh, I'm going to fix this for them. Let me, let me just tell you how to fix this. When in fact, you know, the fix it attitude is not always what a partner wants. That's not always how they want to feel supported. They might want you to just listen. They might want you to commiserate. They want, may want you to, you know, offer some physical affection. Uh, it's not, it's not, that you know you're a solution person or a problem solver all the time and so I, I think people mm -hmm. generally mm -hmm. are coping as well as they can and I'd love to see a broader range of emotional permission and space to just feel what you're feeling I can tell you I can't explain what I've been feeling over the last I don't even know how long it is now what four mm -hmm. months <laughs> um yeah yeah it's been a, it's been yeah February March April May June July August yeah <laughs> oh my gosh well it's funny because here in Canada yeah. of course March and April the cold months crawled by it was like every day <laughs> and then all of a sudden when June <laughs> yeah. July hit it's just flown by all of a sudden we're we're end of August <laughs> so I, I 
mm-hmm. know, I, I can't explain what I've been feeling. I'm up, I'm down, I'm full of energy some days, I'm just totally deflated other days. Um, I'm so grateful. So I really am thankful. And I know that we often talk about like the practice of gratitude, but it's it's not, I don't want to say it's something I mm-hmm. practice. Like I really am just grateful for life. Like I, I love life. I know I have a good one. I know that this time is an inconvenience to me, but for other people, it's, it's actually life or death. Um, and it's their livelihood mm-hmm. and it's their economic safety, their physical well-being. And so I can be very thankful that all I am is inconvenienced. All I am is unable to do my regular work. All I am is unable to, you know, see my friends in the same way. All I am is forced to stay in my house a lot more. Um, All I am is uh, allowed to meet my friends in the park instead of in a home and I have to pee in a bush. Like really, those things are, those (laughs) things are no big deal. (laughs) That's true. It's so interesting that um, you speak to this because I too have this, I echo your sentiment on just not knowing how to, not being able to articulate how I feel because it's just so many different layers. And then as it is, we are so complex. And then we have the layer of COVID-19 to sort of just cloud everything, right? So there's like that added layer of emotion. Then we've got emotions on emotions. And in the beginning, there was this moment where I don't exactly know. Maybe I had this sort of pent up energy inside my body because I had nowhere mm-hmm. to go. And I, I remember sitting at my desk and I took this deep exhale and I was like, oh, and when that exhale came out, I realized, oh, my God, there's a lot of stuff inside there that <laughs> that I couldn't describe. And so not having words and is really powerful. Jess, I love what you're saying about that. Yeah, and and I think it can feel very conflicting, like what you're describing. Like you're yeah. feeling it in your body. There's some symptoms, but you just yeah can't put your finger on it. And I love that you're you know using those mindful or like the physiological techniques of just taking seven deep breaths. And that's that's one thing I've been talking to people at during this difficult time and you know when they're asking well how do I stay connected to my partner so for example some people have zero interest in sex I can tell you that ours over the last few months has really kind of gone up and down and um, I think probably more down for for my partner Brandon uh, than for for me and I can say that he he talks about it on on my podcast as well so um, he he won't mind (laughs) but how do you stay connected if, for example, sex is off the table because you're just not feeling it? And right. so I've been talking about, like, can you give 60 seconds of affection every single morning? Can you wake up and just roll over and hold one another or breathe together, put your foreheads together? I like to put my head on Brandon's chest and just listen to his heartbeat because it feels so grounding and gratitude-inducing and um, human, right? It makes you feel kind of small and mm-hmm. reminds you what matters, which is, you know, life <laughs> that we're lucky to have. So, so and true. so I'm asking people, we're so we are, we are. And just, and I, I want to say that you can feel grateful and also feel frustrated. You can feel grateful and also feel angry. You can feel grateful That's and also right. feel grief. You know, I, I can right. tell you that in some ways, I'm I'm grieving the loss of my business. Um, mm-hmm. Listen, I'm I'm fine. I'm very mm-hmm. lucky that financially the business is moving. Yes, uh, it's fine. But what I do for a living, which is travel and give speeches, which is where I derive so much joy, and I'm so you know spoiled in some ways to get to do that. Um, all of those right. you know overseas engagements have either been canceled or moved to Zoom, and so there's there's a loss for me of my lifestyle, which was 
honestly hopping on a plane every week. And I know that for some people that's not very desirable and it sounds exhausting. And, you know, sometimes, you know, in February, I think I was on something like 25 flights, but I like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so that's just, yeah, that's, that's your my thing. thing. It's a big change in mm-hmm. lifestyle. And, and again, I know people can say like, wow, wow, you don't get to travel. And they're right. I, I do know that my life is still good and I'm, I'm very thankful. But I do find that physical mm-hmm. connection for me and not for everybody is one way to still feel intimacy, still feel close, still feel supported and cared for and express your love even in the absence of sex. So I've been encouraging people to do 60 seconds in the morning and 60 seconds throughout the day. Go interrupt your partner while they're on the Zoom call or a phone call when the camera's off. You know, go just give them a 60-second massage or just go and hold them from Mm -hmm. behind or bring them a drink. You know, my, my husband makes me my espresso every morning and it just if every day and I've never had this because I'm never home this much but every day since March 15th he's been bringing me this espresso and he he puts a lot of care into it he weighs the beans he grinds them in like this hand grinder that my cousin made and then he pulls the shots and he frosts the milk and he brings me my little macchiato and every day it feels so um What's the word? Like I feel special. I feel like it's it's this really nice That's indulgence right. and treat, and uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. Now it's easy to get. It's easy yeah. to get. Uh, you know, take it for granted. Because <laughs> some mornings I'm like, "Where's that no, espresso? I, I it's late it. today." <laughs> no. And and. No, I love what you're saying. And sometimes I forget to thank him. I have to really remind myself to to show more gratitude. And that's another thing I think couples can be doing right now, especially happy couples is, and and not just couples, you know, I speak from a a couple centric perspective and I need to broaden that, but it's showing gratitude because in happy, healthy relationships, whether they're intimate or friendships uh, or family relationships, there often exists what we call Mm -hmm. a gratitude gap. You get along so well, you know each other's routines, you function so well as a team Mm -hmm. that you come to take things for granted Mm -hmm. and you forget to express that gratitude. So you feel grateful, but you don't say it. And so you're not gonna derive the same benefits within the relationship if you don't express gratitude in a way that your partner understands. That's really incredible that you're talking about this gratitude gap because I think like to your point, you know, um, enhancing intimacy, those 60 seconds, or like, even for my husband and myself, we like, we try to schedule a moment where we'll go for a short walk in the morning. And that will give us at least that time together where then during the day, the feeling of intimacy is still there. Because there's also like the memory of the morning, or the fact that you're brushing past each other, and you kind of acknowledge that. So that gratitude gap, if it's not filled with sort of acknowledging each other to your point or I would even argue acknowledging our surroundings kind of like what you were speaking to when we're acknowledging how we are grateful with ourselves and then it kind of like plays out with how grateful we can be with our partners or with other people we're in relationships with. Absolutely. I was also thinking about people who live by themselves, mm-hmm. right? So also like the notion of pleasure, intimacy, and gratitude when you're living by yourself. What are your thoughts around that? Uh, well, we're lucky again that it's warmer out now. And so you can actually kind of see people outside or if you're feeling comfortable, meet on a patio. But certainly for folks who are who were living alone during the colder months and we're probably going to continue, I mean, obviously I don't have a crystal ball, but it looks like we're going to go into winter under similar, similar circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, this can be a real challenge. And I think if you're feeling lonely, 
you, it's okay to tell people what you're feeling. And I, I think I also want to use this opportunity as a reminder to people who know people who are living alone to really go out of your way and reach out. Um, mm. And so, mm. you know, there are different strategies people are employing. So, for example, what I'm seeing in the workplace is more people are having, you know, coffee with their coworkers over Zoom in the morning mm. or going outside even like balcony to balcony and talking to their neighbors or, or you know, if, you're, if you have a house, of course, you can go out into your front lawn. Uh, we see people joining more online groups like trivia nights and concerts and, you know, dance events and DJ events online to stay connected. Uh, certainly, we see people dating in new ways. So I've been talking to many people who are dating overseas now because since you're not going to meet them anyways, might as well get a, a partner or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever you call it in, in Romania. Why not, right? <laughs> And so, yeah, we're seeing these these yeah. these shifts um, yeah. for folks who are alone. I, I mean, I think I don't want to sound obvious, but it is important to build your social network. And it's interesting because there was a, a new study that was published very recently mm-hmm. on happiness levels and being single versus being partnered versus being divorced and moving through these different transitions. Because we've had such a wealth of data suggesting that when you're in a happy relationship, you're happier in life, and we have have, you know, data showing that folks right. who are partnered have higher well-being in terms of emotional, social health benefits. They live longer. They have lower levels of anxiety, depression, and distress. But these new researchers, they're from Michigan State University, they looked at this data differently by rather than just asking people about happiness at one at one point in time, they looked at marriage and relationships and divorce and singledom over the course of a lifetime. So they looked at something called the Panel Study of Income Dynamics, which is a representative sample mm-hmm. of folks and families that, with data since 1968. And what they found is that there is not as significant of a difference in happiness levels when you look at it over the course of a lifetime. And and so I think we need to refocus um, our efforts on relationships more generally and not only on intimate relationships because, yes, social support is really important to life satisfaction and to health. But these relationships, these social supports don't need to be intimate. So we can focus on cultivating and enriching relationships more generally rather than marriage, uh, marriage or just, you know, romantic relationships. So reaching out to your social network, um, pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, letting people know what your needs are. I think this is a good time. And I think people were probably, probably better at it back in March and April when we were feeling, I think, a little bit more threatened and a little bit more desperate, especially March when we basically saw the fires in New York and, you know, bo- you know, bodies in U-Hauls mm-hmm. and not enough space in hospital beds and people mm-hmm. dying in a city that's, you know, quite close to uh, us here in Toronto. I think mm-hmm. many people became a little bit more direct with their needs and said, you know what, this is how you can support me. This is what I yes. need. And we stopped beating around the bush. And I, I think we need more of that. Uh, nobody is required to meet your needs, but certainly nobody is going to meet your needs if you don't delineate what those needs are. I am so, so moved by your words because there are so many pieces of this, of strengthening our relationships. Like what an opportunity for us to really put ourselves out there and strengthen our relationships, reach out and continue to reach out, even if it feels super awkward. Um, The publication that you're speaking to, it's so interesting because it's more about how we connect with each other and what we're nurturing and cultivating over the course of our lifetime. And 
I love this idea of being direct. You know, I have um, a neighbor who whose child had to go to the cottage and they asked everybody to take a COVID test. And I think that's a reasonable ask. And so it's up to you how you want to interact with each other. But I think it depends on like just receiving each other in a way and sort of adhering to the norms of understanding everybody's requests. So that's great. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's a good reminder that we need to communicate about our health needs, our practical needs, our emotional needs, our spiritual needs, our relational needs. And oftentimes we complain that these needs are not being met and we look for that deficit in other people. But why do we not begin with ourselves and say, okay, how can I make myself feel that way? How can I attend to my practical needs? What can I do to better support my own spiritual growth or whatever your desires or goals or expectations of life are? And more importantly, have I even identified them? Because I see this in relationships all the time. Well, he's not emotionally supportive or she's not open enough or they're not, you know, loving enough or they don't show me enough affection. Okay, what does that look like to you? And when I ask people, you know, what does that look like? Oftentimes they can't answer. So how are you expecting your partner to read your mind when you haven't even read your own mind? So, you know, I'm a big fan mm. of just writing things down because you know, I'm a verbal person. Um, some people would rather mm. record a voice note. Other people would rather draw it out, um, you know, act it out, whatever your style of communication mm. may be. But can you write down what emotional needs you're looking to have met right now? How is it you want to feel? What do you want to feel more of? What do you want to feel less of? And then I encourage people to think about, okay, so what are the things you can do to produce these emotions you mm-hmm. seek or to diminish the emotions you, you're looking to you know, attenuate or reduce? And look to yourself mm-hmm. first before you go to your partner and say, you're not doing this enough or I don't feel this enough. And that's, that's another interesting thing about you know, COVID divorces or COVID breakups. Sometimes being stuck at home alone with a partner or stuck at home with a partner, we we find these deficits in our relationship. And again, we assign them to the relationship. But really, it's about our own lives. It's really about being alone with ourselves. Mm. And sometimes we'll say, oh, I don't feel happy or I don't feel fulfilled. And we look to blame something, blame a relationship, blame your parents, blame my job. When in fact, mm-hmm. there are things within your control that might be able to, you know, help you feel happier or more fulfilled. So uh, again, we have to, I think, focus on ourselves as well as external factors. And of course, I don't want to discount, um, you know, socio-cultural, ac- socio-cultural, economic, political factors that certainly disadvantage many people over others. Right? Mm-hmm. If you're living, if you're a person of color, um, living with the trauma, uh, and particularly Black folks, Indigenous folks, living with everyday trauma of racism and discrimination, blatant and latent, uh, obviously you come to the table more exhausted, already traumatized. So I don't want to say that we're all in the same place and we just need to take control of our lives. That's not at all what I'm suggesting. Uh, And I don't want to also discount more collective cultural approaches to fulfillment and happiness. Like I know Canada is very, in many ways, an individualistic society, right? Very focused on like, if if you dream something, you can make it happen. Well, let's not, I'm not, I don't want to perpetuate the myth of meritocracy that is applied, you know, to capitalism and earning and, and business and 
you know, professional success, um, mm -hmm. also in relationships. It's not, you know, if I dream it, I can make it happen. If I think about it, I can manifest it. Um, no, it takes effort. And certainly wow. there are there are layers yes. of privilege that allow some of us the time, the space, the energy, the capacity to invest emotionally in, in our own literacy and in, in the connection and the relationship. So uh, as I, I think a lot of what I was saying sounded very individualistic, and I don't want to... Um, allow that to kind of occur in a vacuum because yes. there are a lot of other factors that affect how we arrive at a relationship. Wow. And you're what you're saying, like it almost it made me almost cry because it's so true. And there are so many things we don't think about as we as we enter into relationship. What are your thoughts on um, how we can enhance intimacy with ourselves or with others? Um, during this time? I mean, I know you've said, you've talked about, you know, several strategies. Are there some other things that you can think about that can add to the conversation? Absolutely. So, you know, the practical stuff involves staying connected physically, you know, like, like I said, taking 60 seconds a day for physical affection. You also mentioned something that I write about often, which are the 60 second favors. Can you do something to make your partner feel important and sort of surprise them every day? Something that only takes one minute of your time can you give them a hand massage can you clean their computer screen can mm. you bring them a, a drink can you take their towel and throw it in the dryer and bring them a warm a warmed towel when they get out of the shower or bath like little things so those are the practical things but from a more i guess theoretical perspective i think that this is this may be a time if you have the time and energy to do a little bit more self-reflection about sex and intimacy. So actually, I just wrote a book uh, co-authored by the fabulous Marla Renee Stewart, and it's called The Ultimate Guide Whoa. to Seduction and Foreplay. And in this book, yes, it's about seduction, but it's really about erotic theory and communication. How do we have the important conversations with ourselves and with our partners? So in the book, we go through I think hundreds of prompts to get you talking, thinking, reflecting, trying new things. So even just thinking about, you know, how do you define sex? How do you think your partner defines sex? Is this a conversation you've had or that you want to have? How, you, how do you define seduction and foreplay? Uh, what would you like to learn about sex, seduction, and foreplay? What do you find challenging? Mm -hmm. What are your sexual values, right? So, you know, what's the most seductive mm -hmm. thing about you? Where did you first learn about sex? What were some of the positive messages and what were those sources? What were some of the negative messages and how does that continue to affect you or how do you carry some of that shame as an adult and how can you relinquish some of that shame. When we think about, you know, the, the sexual side, w if you think about, you know, a fantasy, well, where does it take place? Who is there? What do you look like? What are you mm -hmm. wearing? How are you feeling? What does your lover or your lovers look like? What do what sounds do you hear? What sights do you see? Are there any smells or tastes? What what comes before? What comes after? So just all these different questions to consider. And when people complain that their sex life isn't what they want it to be, I do challenge them and say, well, have you considered a dozen of these questions? Have you actually sat down and spent some time to think about your your own style? One thing that Marla, my partner in this book, writes about is how your learning style affects your 
sexual、mm. and seduction style, and are you are you more、mm. visual? And if you have a visual partner, do you make sure you make lots of eye contact and clean up the clutter and tell stories in rich detail and dress impeccably and move in the opposite direction of the room and send pics and and you know all of these different ideas? Or if you have an auditory lover, I'm an auditory person. I love the sound of. My partner's、mm-hmm. voice. I'm very attracted to people based on their voice.、Um, you know, auditory people <laughs> like a lot of feedback. They like varied vocabulary. They like low, soft, deep tones. Oftentimes, there the music matters. You know, the so、yes. there's all these different things that you can explore at this time to better understand yourself, to understand your learning style, to understand another piece. And maybe I'll leave you with this because I think this is a a big one, to understand your core、yes. erotic feeling. So your core erotic feeling, and we write about it and really delve into it in the book. But your core erotic feeling is the feeling or the emotion that you require in order to get in the mood、mm. for sex. So do you need to feel sexy? Do you need to feel desired? Do you need to feel loved? Do you need to feel playful? Do you need to feel excited? Do you need to feel happy? Honored, joyful, stress-free. How do you want to feel before, during, and after? Because let's get at the emotional piece. Yeah, we've got techniques, and you know it's easy to learn techniques. A monkey can do a technique, but can you understand yourself emotionally and the emotional attachments that you have created to sex? So we spend some time helping people to consider what their core erotic feeling may be, and then cultivate more of that feeling in your life. Teach your partner because again, they're not a mind reader, and there's nothing, you know, you can't just say, "Oh, I need to feel sexy." Okay, well, what does that look like? How should I look at you? How should I、mm. speak to you? What words should I use? This is just like any other realm of life. It's not a one shot deal. If if I'm cooking for you, let's say you hire me as your personal chef, I don't ask you three questions、mm-hmm. like, "Oh." What type of food do you like? How spicy do you like it? Because if I say how spicy do you like it, and you say, "Oh, really spicy," well, my idea of spicy might be Canadian spicy, which is barely spicy at all, and your idea of spicy <laughs> might be like hot glass spicy, which is nice and spicy for me. And so, <laughs> same same thing with sex. It's not just this simple like, "Oh, how do you like it?" Do you like it there? We have to keep、mm. the conversation going, and I think the core erotic feeling is an important framework to think about.、Um, what are the emotional underpinnings of sex? And then once you get through your core erotic feeling, oh, that so sex will become—I don't want to、mm. say easy, but、um, so much more accessible. <laughs> I think once you understand、oh. and work toward your core erotic feeling, but then. You can start considering your elevated erotic feelings, and your elevated erotic feelings are the feelings that take sex to the next level. They make sex more intense in a very specific way. So it could be related to physical pleasure, or psychological thrill, or emotional fulfillment, or intimate connection, or spiritual experience, or any other benefit that you derive. From sex,、uh, and sometimes your elevated erotic feelings are rather subversive. So, oftentimes, you know, core erotic feeling is like, okay, I need to feel loved in order to have sex. That doesn't mean every time I feel loved, I want sex. But if I don't feel loved, I just can't get in the mood for sex or relaxed.、Mm. Right? A lot of people, because we're dealing with distractions and anxiety, that's you know one of the reasons that people are losing interest in sex. Because for some people, sex helps us to relax, but for other people, they need to be relaxed in order to get in the mood.、So So you know, oftentimes the the core erotic feeling is these safe feelings, not all the time, but oftentimes. And then the elevated erotic feelings can be a little bit edgier. You might be turned on by you know dominance or submission, or 
you know, feeling mm. embarrassed or feeling jealous or even feeling humiliated. And people who are into kinky sex will know what I'm mm. talking about. That, And that that only works when your core erotic feeling is attended to, right? Like if I'm in a crappy uh-huh. relationship where I, I always feel not good enough, obviously it's not going to turn me on to feel, well, probably not obviously, but it's unlikely to turn me on to feel inadequate. That's but if right. I'm, I'm in a loving, caring relationship where I kind of feel like my needs are always or consistently being met, uh, and maybe it also has to do mm-hmm. with my own life. It's not just the relationship. Of course, I can have fun with some sure. of these subversive emotions. So that's what I would encourage people to explore now. And I, I do have a, a short podcast oh. on the core erotic feeling, but we really explore it in depth yep. in the book. And the book is available anywhere books are sold. It's the ultimate guide to seduction and foreplay. And we have a whole section on your CEF, core erotic feeling, and EEF, elevated erotic feelings, as well as examples from from real people. No, thank you so much. And we'll put all of that in the show notes for you um, listeners so that you have access to it. But I really am so appreciative of your idea on, you know, just sort of exploring what is your core erotic feeling. I think just the expression of it or just the exploration of discovering what it is in and of itself is sort of like a means of how we evolve also as people, right? So it's just me expressing who I am, what I am, what I need, what I need to feel. So it's like you're going into all of these spaces of yourself as you get older or as you sort of learn more about yourself. So there's this piece of development that is coming to me as you're speaking about what is like what are what is my core erotic feeling and what is the person that I am becoming through exploring experiencing articulating and sharing it so I think that is sexy right (laughs) too you know what I mean so that is so wonderful um so oftentimes when we end the episode, we ask our guests a question about themselves. So I'll ask you, what is something you do for yourself to feel connected to your partner? Hmm. Uh, it's We usually try and get away and travel. So we used to, for instance, just tack on a day at the end of one of my business trips, but or day or two. <laughs> but uh, now we're exploring mm-hmm. Ontario. So we, we live downtown Toronto and we are obviously not deriving the usual benefits of big city fun living with all the events and you know <laughs> opportunities so we're trying to get away just even for the day to usually be active like usually we go hiking um, or paddleboarding or tubing or mm-hmm. something like that so we, we try and get outside together it's interesting you said you go for a walk every morning and I, I would really love to do that um, I tend to have very early mornings and schedule things in the morning mm-hmm. so I'd probably have to get up at five instead of six or seven to do that but I love that I admire that so much and I yeah like it inspires me uh, we also go for we go for walks in the evening I call them like walks to look at dogs because <laughs> we don't have a dog we lost our dog last year and it's still uh, you know oh I'm so sorry for your loss oh thank you no it's okay we feel it just feels still so fresh even though it was a almost a year and a half ago but she was just such a big part of our lives she came everywhere with us uh, because she was a little dog Mm -hmm. so she could she could travel she could go on the plane yeah and so we we call them like looking at dog walks so we just walk through um yeah and we look for bunnies because i don't know 
supposedly there's bunnies in the park. <laughs> there's bunnies everywhere. It's interesting to see how uh, the natural environment has um, given us a sense of reemergence while we've been inside. Anyway, that's a whole other conversation. But <laughs> a nice way to look at it. Um, thank you so so much for your time and your energy. And this was such a great episode. Thanks for recording with us. Um, everybody, follow Dr. Jess on Instagram at Sex with Dr. Jess. Listen to her podcast, Sex with Dr. Jess. It is so incredible. There's so much to learn there. And we'll have the details about Dr. Jess, her new book, and her work in our show notes. So please check it out. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you.